Uh, is anybody excited to be in church today? Yeah. Amen. Good. I'm excited too. I feel the presence of God here and I'm, I'm looking forward to what God is going to say next. I love what Colton was, was declaring. My sheep hear my voice. They, they listen. They follow me. So with that in mind, I just want to pray before we dive into the word. So Father, we agree with what has already been going on in this service, in the room and online, that you would continue to speak right now. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We seek to hear your voice above every other voice. I silence the voice of the enemy in Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. 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 Okay. The title of the series that we've been in the last couple weeks is called Catch the Wave. Can everybody say that with me? Catch the Wave. I love this imagery, this illustration is super relevant to me because before I moved here 11 years ago, I I lived in Southern California. And before that, I was landlocked for like decades. I lived in Denver and I lived in Chicago. No waves, no ocean, nothing, none of that. So when God called me to go to Southern California, I was so excited to go surfing because I had seen all the movies and all the TV shows that you probably grew up watching too that, that show how fun and how easy and relaxing it is to be a surfer. Like, bro, I cannot wait to get there, man. Everybody's chill. Everybody's laughing, having a good time. Let's just go catch some waves, man. Let's blow off work. Let's go surfing. Almost like getting like a natural high because of how peaceful and serene the ocean is, right? It's just like you're one with nature, dude. It's almost like a religious experience to catch a wave, right? And I was like, dude, I want that. I've been surrounded by land my whole life. I want that. So I went and I started to learn how to surf. And let me just tell you, it's all a lie. (laughs) It's a total lie. Has anybody here ever surfed? Yeah, all right, y'all are going to understand. You're going to relate to what I'm saying here. The truth about surfing is that it is insanely hard. Amen, surfers? The ocean is anything but peaceful. It is powerful and unforgiving. It will eat you up. Where I surfed uh, in in Southern California is Huntington Beach, Surf City, USA. And actually, I I totally failed at surfing. I just became a bodyboarder, but still super hard. And... uh, (laughs) The average wave size at Huntington Beach is about two to three feet high, like about about like that, which is like, dude, baby waves, right? Like we're playing in the kiddie pool type of thing. I got this. No problem. And again, I'm just here to tell you that a three foot wave will pound you into the sand. And I'm talking sand everywhere, places it shouldn't be. And it's actually even a small wave like that, and it can get way bigger at Huntington, but even just a three-foot wave can really be dangerous. It can can crack your back and your neck in in very dangerous ways if you get in the wrong spot. It's, It's serious. So here's the most important thing that I didn't understand when I started to learn how to surf. It's this. Long before you even have the chance to catch an actual wave, you have to get there first. It's called the paddle out. You got to paddle out, starting from the beach. Everybody starts in the same spot. You got to paddle out in order to catch a wave. Again, seems like no big deal. Just swim out to where the waves are and you're good. I'm standing right here. They're right there. I can see them. Let's go. Well, this is the hardest part of surfing by far. All of the power of the ocean is working against you. You think that swimming in your local swimming pool is going to prepare you 
All of the power of the Pacific Ocean is working against you when you're trying to get to where you need to be. And this is, once you finally realize, okay, I got to work hard. If you're good enough, you're a good enough swimmer to get past these, like the crumbly part of the waves where they're almost to the shore and they're just a little white water, like they're kind of losing their energy. It's still super hard. They're still like a foot or two too high. If you're good enough to get past that, then you are now in what's called the impact zone. The impact zone is where the wave actually crashes and impacts the surface of the ocean. And we put that, that's right there. That picture, we'll put it online too. That is the impact zone. It looks beautiful from right here. Beautiful. Oh, I'd love to go out there. But when you're in that spot, you have to swim for your life. Right, surfers? You got to swim for your life to get through that section. Inevitably, three or four waves are going to crash on your head. And when that happens, they're going to push you back about 20, maybe 30 yards. You're still paddling backwards. And you're almost like starting from scratch. And remember, you're working your butt off just to get to this point. It's going to hold you under the water to the point that you literally think you're going to drown. You're disoriented. It's called getting ragdolled, like a ragdoll in a a, uh, washing machine, just like your arms and your legs flailing everywhere. You don't know which way is down, which way is up. You lose your board, which is the only thing that floats. Your lungs are on fire. And when you think you're just about back at the surface, just to gasp for air, like, I'm going to die. I got to get up. You're not. You got like two more feet of, of white water just, just to get through. And when you finally get to that spot where you get a gasp of air and you look over and the next wave is just about to crash on your head again and you go through all of it again. Now, surfers, I'm not exaggerating, right? This is the truth about surfing. It's terrifying. It's so hard. And there are many times I thought I was going to drown. But at the last second, I got some air. And I just kept paddling through until I finally got past the impact zone. I was like, oh, thank God. I mean, like a 30-minute sprint just going and getting nailed. But even then, you think you're good? The currents in the ocean are so strong, like sideways. They're like actual rivers in the ocean. They're so strong that you have to constantly keep paddling just to try to stay in the right spot to catch a wave, just to have the opportunity, constantly paddling. It was not uncommon at at Huntington to be paddling for four hours straight and only catch two or three waves in a day. It's exhausting, and that is the truth about surfing. So here's the summary. Catching a wave is the result of barely surviving a desperate situation. That's what surfing is. Catching a wave is the result of barely surviving, almost dying in a desperate situation. Now, what does this have to do with the Bible? I'll answer that question with another question. Have you ever been in a desperate situation yourself? Ever been in a life or death situation? I know a lot of you have. I see a lot of familiar faces. Maybe you're in a desperate situation today. Maybe you walked in like, dude, I'm looking for some hope. Church is like the last hope. I feel like I'm just being held down. I feel like the waves are keeping me. I can't breathe. Even, if, even though we, we live in Colorado, nobody here is under the water. It's like sometimes we walk around just struggling to catch a breath. Like our, our chest is just like doing this. And you're just like, you find yourself taking deep breaths every once in a while because it's just so hard. Maybe you're just not sure 
if you can even make it through the day and you just came to church like last chance. Listen, I want to share the word of God with you today. And if you're in that spot, which I know many of us are, this scripture is for you. So with that in mind, I want you to open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to read a very short story that is a desperate situation that a woman finds herself in. We're going to see what her desperate situation is all about, and we're going to see what God does. Are you ready? Come on, say, I'm ready. I hope you're ready to be encouraged today. Check this out. Chapter 4, verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. You'll see why she cries out to Elisha right here. She says, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And Elisha replied to her, okay, um, let's see here. Um, How can I help you? Um, Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said. I'm I'm poor. I got nothing except a small jar of olive oil. It's the only thing I have to my name, just a small jar of olive oil. I got nothing. Now, how many know that this is a desperate situation. And oftentimes, because of our sin and our bad choices in life, we create our desperate situations. Like, kind of deserve it sometimes. Like, oh, I did this, and now this is happening, and it's really my fault. But sometimes it's not your fault. Sometimes bad things just happen, like your husband just dies. The debt that she owes is not her fault. Her husband died. It sounds like she's a, she's a young mom, young boys. Her husband was probably, she's a stay-at-home mom. He probably goes out and works and has a full career of working ahead of him that he has time to pay off this debt in a reasonable amount of time. It's no big deal. But then when life happens and somebody that you're relying on is just all of a sudden gone, that's not your fault. She's hurting. She's grieving the loss of her husband. And she's trying to figure out, how she's going to feed her kids tomorrow, but then at the same time, on top of all of that, realizing that she might lose her kids too? Yo, this is the definition of unfair. It's a life or death desperation. I need an answer now, or it's going to get bad. So with all of that in mind, Elisha understands the situation, and what does he ask her to do? He says, paddle out into the ocean. Start paddling, girl. Look at verse 3. Elisha said, okay, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Get them all. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. And check this out. This is what he tells her to do. Pour oil into all the jars. Remember, she's got a small jar of olive oil. Pour oil into all the jars that exist in your neighborhood. Then it says, and as each is what? Filled. Impossible. Put it to one side. How many know that that's probably the moment where you're like, huh? (laughs) Like, math, did you fail math? Not going to work. Reminds me. 
If anybody was around in the 80s of the movie Big with Tom Hanks, you guys remember that movie where he's, a little, he's like a 12-year-old, but then he magically turns into, has an adult body, but he's still a 12-year-old boy, and he gets a job at a toy company. He's at the presentation where they're presenting the new toy, and it's like, this is going to change the market, and he's playing with the toy, and he's like, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. This toy sucks. <laughs> like, what? I don't get it. Can you explain it to me again? That's kind of like she's like, okay, you want me to pour the oil into all, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> what are you talking about? Listen, this is the paddle out. This is the hard work of faith. I'll get it. But here I go. I'm paddling out. Elisha asks her to do something that was pretty weird. Go ask your neighbors for all of their empty jars. Let's be honest. That was probably pretty embarrassing for her. Like, really? It's not like you're just going to your one neighbor you haven't seen him in a while, and, and you're just asking, hey, I'm so sorry to bother you. I'm making a birthday cake, and I ran out of eggs. Can I borrow one egg or a cup of sugar? Thanks, man. Hey, I'll see you soon. Good to see you. No problem. It's not like that at all. He, she is asking for jars, jars, and not just one jar, all of the jars, and not just one neighbor, all of the neighbors. You could just see her going door to door, and people looking out their window like, Dang, that girl, she keeps, she's going to come to our house. Hey, hide the jars, right? Put the shades down. She's like, well, don't be here, right? It's weird. It's weird. That's what I do. Close the door. Don't you think that caused some of the questions as she's knocking on the door? Caused some questions from the neighbors. They're probably, hey, hey, uh, sorry to bother you. Can I borrow your jars? Oh, um, sure. Did, did yours break? Uh, no. I just need them. Okay, weird, but uh, sure, I guess. Here's one. No problem. Actually, can I have all of them? <laughs> you know, like, like, why? Well, uh, I'm going to pour oil in them. Why? You know, every time they, that she answers, they're probably like, but, but why? I don't get it. Can you explain? No, I just, why? Why? I just need your jars. And then she, then she has to be like, oh, that was brutal. Next house. Why? Next house, why? Can you see what I'm saying? That must have been incredibly uncomfortable for her to have to do that. Like, this Elisha prophet dude is crazy. Why do I have to do this? Doesn't make sense. And the lesson is, of course, it took great faith for her to obey in that moment. Great faith. As she's paddling out and the waves start crashing, she sees that big wave come like, dude, I'm not that good of a swimmer. She probably has some questions of her own, too. Like, God, I, I just lost my husband. I'm, my heart is broken. Why are you making me look like a fool in front of my neighbors? Some kind of cruel joke? Do you this make you laugh in heaven? Like, what the heck? Hi, can I have your jars? My kids are about to go into slavery. I need to be making money. Not playing these scavenger hunt games. Why are you doing this? Going to the next one. Why are you making me do this, God? Next door, I, yeah, she's thinking, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. The way they look at me. How I many you know when, when you've lost somebody, man, like everything else, you just, you got nothing left to offer. You can't be tough. You can't be like, I got this. You're just like, oh, the weight is too heavy. You feel like, I just, I don't know if I'm going to make it through the day. You know, 
This is a little too much for me to handle. Let's be honest. You know the devil's right there. So like, hey, that suicide option's looking pretty good. It's adding insult to injury. I feel like I'm, I'm going to drown. I'm not going to make it. How many of us have ever felt that way? Been there. Just feel like I'm not going to make it. Listen to her great credit. She didn't give up. And she didn't drown under the pressure of the waves. She kept paddling in faith. She getting held down, barely got a breath, go to the next door. Whew, almost there. Now check it out. In verse 5, it says this. She left him, Elisha, she left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she what? Kept pouring. She what? Kept pouring pouring when all the jars were what full what she said to her son bring me another one but he replied there's not a jar left like we got them all the whole neighborhood cleaned them out and then the oil what stopped flowing that's right there's so much power in those two verses i want to i want to look at this there is no way around it first of all that is a miracle. Amen? That's a straight miracle. Clearly, God has moved here, and there are lots of lessons in this little section of Scripture that I want to look at. So we're going to look at the significance of how God moved on behalf of this woman, and then, this is the good part, what it means for you and me. The first thing that I learned just from those two verses in Scripture is that we need to keep pouring. Can we say that together? Keep pouring. Keep pouring. I believe that this was a literal miracle. It wasn't symbolic. It literally happened that God provided extra olive oil for her. But even in the literal, there are symbolic meanings to what God uses. So in Scripture, oil represents the Holy Spirit. Old Testament, New Testament. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives gifts. There are, in fact, nine primary gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know all nine, you should go study. But one of them is the gift of faith. That comes from the Holy Spirit. And the thing about the gift of faith is that the more you use it, the more you get it. I'm going to say it again. The more you use it, the more you get it. She kept pouring. She just kept pouring. She didn't freak out and stop like, whoa, this doesn't make sense. This is physically impossible. I'm out. No, she kept pouring. Her faith grew, and it moved her to the next jar, where it kept pouring, which caused her faith to grow, which moved her to the next jar, where she kept pouring, and she kept pouring, and her faith grew, because the more you use it, the more faith that you get. You see what I'm saying? Listen, church, this is the sweet spot. This is the moment where you actually catch the wave, where the Holy Spirit is pouring out through you. Miraculous provision from God is just coming as long as you're going. That is where you're catching the wave, and you're like, oh my goodness, this is where all the desperation of just paddling out and almost dying and your struggle to simply survive presents you with the opportunity to go on one of the most exciting rides of your life. Just keep pouring. Just keep pouring. Use what the Holy Spirit has given you. That's what we see from this, this small section of Scripture. Just keep pouring. The next thing 
is that God will fill you to the capacity that you let him. God will fill you to the capacity that you let him. Here's where I get that. If she would have stopped pouring, God would have stopped providing. You get that? In fact, it says that. When she filled, when she got to the very last jar, there were no more jars in the neighborhood to even fill anymore. God's like, that's it. Way to go. You nailed it. Maximum capacity of God's provision. But if she would have stopped, this is weird. This is scientifically, I'm going to need a scientist to come and verify what's going on. Is this real olive oil or not? You know, like, you missed it. It's over. You just keep pouring and God will fill you to the capacity that you let him. It reminds me of a conversation I had this week with uh, Ryan Harrison on our staff here, just talking in my office, just breathing fire of the truth of God on me. And I'm like, dude, I got to quote this. This is exactly what I'm preaching on. And so he was saying, listen, Matt, sometimes in life we get stuck. We just get stuck. We're just kind of banging up against those waves, can't get past the impact zone. You're just getting smacked and, and pushed down and held down and you're stuck. And it feels like nothing is new, nothing is different, nothing is growing, nothing is changing. And it's kind of like we're just moving furniture around. You ever done that? Like, I think I need a new way to do my family room. I'm just going to move the furniture around. We're not taking ground. We're not growing. We're just moving furniture. It's the same old furniture that we move to a different corner of the room to make us feel like we're doing something different, but we're not. As Christians, we need to be taking ground in this world. Amen? We need to take ground. And guess what? It's going to require faith to do it. So here's the lesson. Faith will not grow unless it is tested. Faith is not going to grow unless it is tested. And this is so important because a lot of you may think, okay, I mean, I don't really care if I'm honest. I could do without faith. What's the big deal about faith? Well, it is a big deal because Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So in God's eyes, it's a huge deal. And your faith needs to grow. Listen, it has to be tested in order to grow. So if we ignore the test, then we're just moving furniture around, pretending like we got a new house. Like, wow, look at this new house of that couch I had for the last 30 years, full of dust. Right? We're just, we're just moving furniture around, just like the lady. You could think the lady in the story, she has the only thing in her house is a jar of olive oil. That's her furniture. And she's probably thinking to herself, that is all I have to my name. I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to protect that. It's really special to me. I put it in a special place right here in the windowsill. So when I come home, I say, wow, that is a nice jar of olive oil. That's all I have. Matter of fact, next week, I'm going to put it in the kitchen. I'm just going to put it over there. Woo, looks nice from this angle. Just moving furniture around. You're not actually growing. We're not actually doing anything. We're just moving for It's kind of like, like we're just splashing around in the kiddie pool. You ever been in the kiddie pool with your kids? And, you, and you're like, use your arm. Look at the big wave. Oh, you're surfing. Oh, splash. You got it in your face. Instead of actually getting in the Pacific Ocean and getting on the face of a ferocious wave that could kill you. But you're like, woo, this is amazing. Do you see the difference? God will fill you to the capacity that you let him, but he's going to have your faith tested first. 
Faith will not grow unless it is tested. So our job is to embrace the test. Somebody say, amen, I got it now. Point taken. Third thing I see is that as you give, I'm going to say it right, as you give, God provides. As you give, God provides. When she poured out all that she had, God began to provide more oil. The order in which that happened is very important. Not before she gave, but after. You see that? Listen, I'll just be honest with you. I bet a lot of you in here can, can say that you've prayed this prayer. Oh, God, I need some money. I'm in a desperate situation. Can you please just let me win the lottery? And if I win, I promise I'll give it to you. I'll give you some. You liars, whatever. <laughs> we prayed that a lot. I'll just be honest. Listen, God's like, dude, no problem. I got so much money. I got like a billion lotteries. But I could care less about the amount of money you need. I care about your faith growing. So, what are you going to give? Because as you give, God provides. That's hard when you're in a desperate situation. Well, why would God say, that's, that's not fair. He's so rich and I got nothing. And Yeah. He's not, he's not concerned about your financial situation. He's concerned about your faith. Listen, I just want to make you aware, just to be very honest and vulnerable on behalf of our church, we're kind of in a similar situation. The last couple of months, God has been blowing our minds. And we've told you we brought our needs to you and, and that you have responded powerfully. We had one of the biggest offerings in the history of 67-year history of this church in the last like, month or so ago. Amazing. Also, this summer, uh, we got struck by lightning. Did you know that? This building got struck by lightning. Killed all our lights the day we're having a service. We're like, oh, we got no power. It's going to be dark. Well, we just kept paddling. We're like, all right, we're going to pray and worship anyway. And they figured out some lights from somewhere and it looked horrible. But we prayed and we worshiped. Guess what? This week, we got a check, a fat check from our insurance company. We're going to get free new lights. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He actually threw a lightning bolt. Like, boom. But for a good reason. Right? Like, Boom. That's our God. So we've seen him move, and it's just uh, every season, God's always done it. Here's the thing, though. You can't rely on your old faith. Like 20 years ago, I saw God do a miracle. How are you doing today? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, God's saying, look, if you just look at your bulletin, in the light of all that provision, we're still $52,000 and some change below budget. That could be a desperate situation that we're facing. And God is like, you know, we cry out, just, oh God, we need your help. Can you provide? And God's like, dude, oh my gosh, 50, I could sneeze $52,000. No problem. I, I got it. But what I want is the church's faith to grow. So what are you going to give? Right? As you give, God provides. So listen, she's riding that wave. Let's put up that other picture, Ray, of the dude who's coming down the wave. Yep, that guy. You see the look on his face? Let's put it online too. That's the face that's like, oh my God, I didn't die. Woo! I almost drowned. I get to see another day. That's what that face is. Right, surfers? I can't believe I actually made it. There was another lady in the other service earlier that was like, yeah, you're right. Surfing sucks and I couldn't do it. I never caught a wave. I just quit. <laughs> that's why that guy's so psyched. And she has experienced this. She's caught the wave. 
She's experienced this incredible miracle of God's provision in a desperate, almost lost her kids. And God came through. And now the story brings us to the end of the wave. So let's see how the story ends. Verse 7. Everybody doing okay? Come on, say, I'm doing good. All right, verse 7. She went and told the man, Elisha, and told him what God had done. Like, dude, that was incredible. He says, that's awesome. Go, sell the oil. Pay off your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Dude, check out what God did. She was able to pay her debt, keep her kids, hallelujah, good enough, good enough. But that's not God. God's like, yeah, and live on the leftovers. Somebody praise God about that. That's incredible. That's like she got to retire in one day. What an incredible turnaround from thinking that she's not even going to make it through the day. I don't think I can make it. I'm going to actually drown. To having enough to live on for the future. Hello, that's amazing. And that is an encouragement for you. If he can do it for her, he could do it for you. If he can do it for her, he could do it for our church. No problem. Her faith was tested and she responded. She embraced that test. Had nothing to do with jars and particular oil that you're going to get. It's like, I want to see your faith grow. You made it. You made it at this point. You rode the wave. You didn't give up. You didn't drown. And you got to take one of the most incredible rides in the world. And it's at this point that the wave has run its course. It starts to slow down a little bit. It doesn't have all that power behind it. It turns into kind of the crumbly, soft wave. And as a surfer, this is the part where all you do is you simply just step off. And you just get to dip into this cool, refreshing water. And instead of like before, when you're being crushed by the wave smacking you in the head and pushing you down to the bottom where you can't breathe, now you just get to enjoy the wave as an energy washes over you and gently brings you back up to the surface. And you look around and you go, whoa, that was amazing. I want to do it again. Paddle, 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 paddle. That's what surfing is. And that's what it's like to be in a relationship with God. She's on that end of the tail end of that wave now. And, and listen, this is what's so cool about the Bible. Long before, thousands of years before anybody ever surfed in the ocean, there's this guy named David. And he wrote the book of Psalms. In Psalms 42, verse 7, he explains exactly what just happened to this lady. He says this, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. Can you picture that? Just picture Niagara Fall and you're right underneath it just getting crushed by the power of the water. The roar of the water can't even hear, can hardly catch a breath, can hardly keep your head up. And in that space, deep calls too deep. And in that moment, it says, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. Ah, that was awesome. Isn't that beautiful? This is the wonderful experience of catching the wave of God's Holy Spirit that brings life and brings provision. And listen, it's so important. You need to hear this. This is an experience that is only reserved for the people who are willing to go deep in their relationship with God. 
Deep calls to deep. God is deep. He's got deep resources. He's got deep love. He's got deep answers. But if you're shallow, if you're on the beach, what would you say, God? Huh? This is reserved for people who are willing to go deep, for people who are willing to have faith, even when they think they're going to drown. Listen, if you're sitting on the beach, you're going to miss the wave, right? I never understood that. Like, we, we would go, when we lived in Southern California, people, let's go to the beach. Cool, I'd love to. And they get to the beach, and they put their chair down, and it's like, <sighs> I'm like, y'all, the Pacific Ocean is right here. Let's get in the water. What? This is so boring. They just sit there. It's so boring. Get in the water. Learn how to surf. It's amazing. You might die, but it's amazing. <laughs> Surfers know. The only way for your faith to grow is for it to be tested, and God is testing you. He tested the faith of the widow, and he's testing you. He's testing our church. But guess what? It's not going to be the last test. My kid, <laughs> so funny, uh, I think it was my second grader, Lucas, the other day, was like, Daddy, the teacher just like gave us a surprise test today. We didn't even get to study. She didn't tell us it was coming. I'm like, yeah, dude, it's called a pop quiz. It's like, it's not fair. Like, yeah, because she wants you to learn the information, not just study for the test and forget it, right? All of us, our faith is always going to be tested. Always. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So keep paddling. Embrace the test that you're facing. Even when you can barely breathe, don't give up. And when God instructs you to pour everything you have into the jar, I'm talking everything. You keep pouring. You keep pouring and you don't stop. Like, hey, this is all I got to my name. I'm giving it to the Lord. Come on, somebody. That's hard. That's going to test you. I love this thing. This, I need this to survive. Give it. Pour it. Keep going. Don't give up. Come on. That is the ride of your life. That is catching the wave. That is the move of the Holy Spirit. And you don't want to miss it. Amen. I hope you mean that because I know, I know for sure there are many of you, you raised your hand, that are in like a desperate situation right now. And if you're not today, you might be tomorrow. You need to be encouraged to not give up. So listen, I'm going to ask everyone to stand. I'll ask our prayer partners, if you can come forward, we would love to pray with you. This is why church is so awesome. Way better than surfing because when you're surfing, you're on your own. Matter of fact, people are kind of jerks out there, and they're like, get off my wave. But here at church, we're like, let's link arms. Let me help you. You drowning? I want to help you. Let me pray for you. Right? Amen?